if you uh, have your outline, then we'll uh, pick up where we left off. Is this thing turned on okay, CB? Everybody can hear me? Okay, we started on Roman numeral 5, uh, and we're in the midst of that, uh, starting with B. Uh, when we got on Roman numeral 5, the point uh, that precedes the uh, three things you have to buy is the phrase, I counsel you to buy from me. Amen. And we had spent some time talking about how this concept is the, uh, the concept uh, in our going on, in our pursuit of Christ, that uh, there's a price to pay. You, you just don't get Christ and, and keep your fallen nature, right. keep worldly right. things, have your mind filled with all kinds of nonsense. Yeah, it's, a, it's a trade. It really is a trade. You, you give Him all of that stuff, which He crucified, so He bears a burden, and then you make room so that uh, He can be your life, your supply, your portion, your enjoyment, and, and so forth. So there's a buying. Uh, and sometimes uh, these things that we give away uh, are not always things that we like to get rid of. Sometimes there are things that uh, we really like. They mean something to us. They uh, something we may have have had our hearts set on. Uh, they may be something that we've looked forward to for a long time. We've worked hard to get, and yet when we go before the Lord and spend some time with Him, uh, just like He comes back to one point and He says, "You know, this has really never been reconciled to me." That's right. Uh, you're reconciled to me. Many things about you are, but this one thing is not reconciled yet. And we're bothered by that. And it's like he's saying, if you'll give me that, I'll really give you the riches of myself. Amen. And this is a little transaction, you see. Uh, a, little, a little deal where... Uh, he gains us, and we gain him. Yeah, a little, man. a little replacement takes place. This is the solid, uh, sure way that we can experience transformation. So that's that's the concept, the buying that uh, is different from just mere receiving of Christ. Okay, to add to what we already have uh, in a way that our whole life we could get certain amount of blessings from God, and yet we're not transformed. He's never really replaced us because we haven't had these hundreds and hundreds of little uh, experiences of uh, He gained us and we gained Him. And therefore, He got to live in us in a certain way that was a true replacement. And this is the heart, the core of what transformation is all about. Without this, there will be no glorious church. There will be no bride prepared. There will be no uh, uh, stature of the fullness of Christ. There won't be anything like that because He must uh, grow and expand in us in that kind of basic way, in our inward parts, in our soul, right? So, uh, this is the basic concept. The goal we saw, uh, of course, was merely experiencing Christ in His divinity by living faith. The divine nature taken in by living faith. You could really not know much about a lot of things, but if you knew how to apply Christ by living faith, uh, I'm pretty sure when He came back, you'd be ready 
to really rule and reign with him. Right? What was Laodicea's problem? They had a lot in their brain, knowledge-wise, but they were woefully short experience-wise. Therefore, they didn't have gold, right? And so the Lord counseled them to buy the gold so that they could apply Christ and experience Him. And we went over some of the things that are needed so that our faith is proper. And we talked about, based on the word of the New Testament economy, the fact that uh, uh, Christ Himself is our faith. We look to Christ to have faith. Don't say, I don't have faith. Okay, don't say that. Okay, of course you don't have faith. If you had faith, then uh, you would be an extraordinary person. Okay, the, 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 one of the fruits of the Spirit is faith. So if you have it and it didn't come from your experience of Christ and, and uh, uh, as a virtue of the Spirit, then you would be a spiritual freak. It, you don't fit. So it comes from the experience of Christ. Amen. You see, it's come. It's the faith of the Son of God. Okay, and then we talked about how we have to drop the thing that is frustrating anything of our fellowship with Him. And then we talked about converting knowledge into experience through applying Christ in our trial, our little fiery trial that First Peter talks about. Right? That everybody agreed they had they had those kind of things in life. Right? Okay, now uh, we're at B, where it talks about the white garments. And again, remember, this is all preceded by the phrase, I counsel uh, for you to buy. Right. Okay, so white garments are here. Uh, and white garments that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be manifested. Uh you have to buy something called white garments. And remember, if you have white garments, this is a sign that you have really experienced being an overcoming saint because the Lord said to he who overcomes, he will walk with me in white in one of his epistles in this same section. So this shows that what the Lord wants to give is white garments that you can walk with Him in an overcoming way now and also in the age to come. Now, uh, white garments, uh, if we could just mention briefly uh, what is being referred to here, and I think the best way is to mention that in the Bible we can say that garments that are mentioned uh, have two aspects to them. Okay, And here, uh, we're talking about the second aspect. The first kind of garment that the Lord gives us is the garment of our uh, salvation. This is the garment like the prodigal son was given when he came back from living in uh, you know, all of the uh, uh, revelry and uh, licentiousness and so forth. He came back and the father clothed him with a fine garment, took him to the house, served him the fatted calf, and they rejoiced. That was the garment of the righteousness of Christ. Okay? That garment is given to you the moment you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You get that garment. That is a garment of righteousness that is imputed to you as a gift. And that garment represents your standing 
before God so that when He sees you, He sees the righteousness of Christ. Okay? And therefore, it's objective and it's free. The second kind of garment is another kind. It's the kind we read about in Psalms where uh, it's a garment of uh, stitching and working and uh, a lot of embroidery and so forth. This is a kind of a different garment. This is the garment referred to here. Again, uh, uh, if you had to buy it, it would not be the garment of salvation. But since you have to buy this garment, this is the garment of your clothing, not for, not for salvation, not free, not for standing before God only. But it's for something to clothe you in your daily life and in your daily walk. Okay? This is another kind of garment, and it's not free. You have to pay a price for it. Uh, therefore, this kind of garment is uh, subjective in nature. Uh, <clears throat> let me put it this way. Uh, we have a certain kind of walk as a Christian. And that walk... As, has a kind of an expression to it. And that expression is our clothing. So that when people see us, we are dressed with Christ. We are dressed with the virtues and attributes of what Christ Himself is. That's our clothing. Christ is our living. He's our walk. He's our speech. He's our conduct. He's our way. He's our this. He's our that. He, whatever we do, he's, he, Christ is the essence of that. Okay? So you can say, when Paul said, for to me to live is Christ, that was Paul's clothing. So that when people observed the living of Paul, what they observed was a manifestation of his inward experience of Christ being lived outwardly. You see, Christ living through him had an expression. And our clothes uh, here represent our expression, you see. We all are clothed with an expression. Okay? And, and uh, this, uh, this, exp- this expresses a lot of things. Uh, okay? But anyway, uh, 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 this is an outward manifestation. If this is not the case, you see, uh, then uh, Laodicea has a problem. Because... Uh, here the Lord says that He does not want the shame of their nakedness to be manifested. What does this mean? It means they have not experienced Christ subjectively so that they have an overflow so that what people see as an expression of clothing is just Christ Himself. That's their garment, you see. So this is a simple concept. Now, uh Probably what we should emphasize here in, in this kind of uh, uh, verse talking about white garments so that you would not be exposed is the fact that we're not talking about uh, conduct that is a behavioral-oriented type thing. We're not talking about changing behavioralism. Okay, We're talking about experiencing Christ to the extent that He becomes our manifestation. Amen. Okay? We exhibit Christ. We express Christ. When we speak, we would exhibit Christ. Okay? Don't say, I don't know what should I say to exhibit Christ. As you live Christ, as you experience Christ, you will speak in a way that Christ 
through your talk will be a kind of manifestation. That's the clothing. Amen. You see, that's what Laodicea didn't have. Why didn't they have it? Because they were short mm-hmm. of the application of Christ as a spirit to get the gold which would be manifested as clothing. Does this make sense to you? You see, Laodicea, if I could do it this way, Laodicea was poor. They were poor in... Uh, oops, it's high-tech, high-tech stuff really throws me for a loop. Okay, they were poor. Uh, you could say one word was poor. Uh, of course, they were wretched and miserable, okay? But that's not so definitive. That's kind of a broad... Those are broad words. But they were poor... They were blind, right? And what else were they? No, that was first. Naked. Okay, now, you see, with these descriptions, the Lord comes in and says, buy from me, and they were poor. We have to say, well, what were they poor in? They were poor in, they were poor in life. They were poor in the experience of life. They were poor in the experience of Christ. You see, so that when you're poor, you don't have anything. You don't have any goods. You don't have any wealth. You don't have anything. So what's the solution? To The, the solution uh, for being poor is gold. See, don't you think you'd be rich if you have gold? So he says, counsel, I counsel you to buy of me gold refined. Okay, they were blind. They did not have the sight to see the spiritual things. They were, they, they were blind in this way. Okay, they couldn't see. So uh, on C, which we'll get to in a minute, the Lord says uh, that He counseled them to buy eye salve to anoint their eyes. You see, so here, for the blindness, they need uh, eye salve, okay, so that they can see. Then they were naked, and so what do they need for that? Yeah, okay, they need the uh, white garments, you see. So all of these match the things that they lacked that the Lord diagnosed them like a spiritual doctor. They lack these things, and these are the remedies. Uh, yeah, these are the remedies uh, that are mentioned here that, that they had to buy. And this one that talks about uh, the garments match the fact that he says, Don't you know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? So he counseled them to get garments for their condition, so that they would not be uh, they they would not be manifested uh, to be so uh, wretched, so miserable in this kind of condition. Okay, now uh, since we're not talking about behavioralism, we're, what we are talking about is the fruit of the spirit being expressed in our experience by a sufficient experience of Christ, an overflow of the inner life so that uh, our clothing is really a person. Okay? They see you. They may not have the terminology, but they realize your expression is not like other people. mysterious and then they may be a little interested to find out well what makes you so different what what makes you tick Amen. right then you get to give them a little testimony actually the thing with me is Christ you see I have a I have a relationship uh, of Christ that's very definite very real and it's it's something that is uh, is reality and therefore I'm not faking a Christian life. I don't try to behave uh, according to something that I was taught. 
but I have uh, some overflow of Christ, and that's my living. You see, I'm living out the one within, and that's the white garment, you see, as a person. If you don't have this, then you can always check it a little bit in this way, and that is, uh, if you don't have the white garment, you know what happens? <coughs> you, you feel uh, you feel what this verse says, that uh, your nakedness may not be manifested. That means you're exposed, you see? You're exposed. Have you ever have you ever felt spiritually exposed? Have you ever gotten around another brother or sister or group? Or you got somewhere, you got into a a meeting, you can't something like this, you started to pray with some other people. Or you just got in their presence, you know, the, the saints are the light. Right. They they represent uh, the light. Right? Have you ever felt exposed, like, oh, I, I'm just so short? Yeah. My experience of Christ is short. Right now, uh, I don't think I'm in Christ much. Mm-hmm. I just feel real short. This is what? This is a, this is a shortage of white garment, mm-hmm. which is a shortage of what? Right. Of living Christ out. Mm-hmm. See? This is what Laodicea didn't have. They thought they had this and that and this and that. But they were short of the expression of Christ. You see, uh, here, they were short of poorness was poorness in life. Okay? And to be blind is poorness in light. Is that right? You see? And here, garments uh, are poorness in expression. Does this all make sense to you? Okay. Poorness in expression. You see, if you have life, life brings in the light. You have life plus light, just like John 1, 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light. Okay, the life was the light. Life plus light is what equals expression. You see, if you just take this simple way, uh, the the solution is here. You see, gold plus ISAF, and you will surely have the white garments. That's because life plus light equals expression. See, a very simple formula, right? Okay, I think you catch it. I don't want to spend too much time here. Then on now number C, it says, and to an ISAF, you have to buy something else. It's called ISAF to anoint your eyes that you may see. Uh, according to according to uh, the epistle of, of John in 1 John, the uh, nearly everybody would consider ISAF here is the anointing. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27, uh, because in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus anointed someone's eyes that was blind so that they could see. And, of course, First John talks about the anointing, which is the spirits moving inside of us. And so uh, here you can say the anointing is the moving of the spirit within us to do some things to us. Okay, now, what is this doing? It is a kind of a restoration of your seeing ability okay if i'm if if i can't see if i'm if i'm 
blind or I'm, I'm legally blind or I'm close to blind. I cannot see, you see. Then I need ISAF. Play like these glasses or ISAF. Actually, I cannot tell who you are very well, okay? Just you, you close ones, I can tell. Because, uh, because I'm nearsighted. Okay, so I need these things. Mm -hmm. uh, so right now, if I had to have an experience of naming you that are further back, I couldn't do it. Okay, you look real. Uh, you look real fuzzy. See, you look like you look like uh, uh, yeah, tree, trees 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 that are <laughs> look like that are walking right like the, okay. Uh, I don't have see. There's something wrong there in my sight. Okay, now if you get the anointing so that you can see, you, like this is the anointing. This is the Spirit enlightening us so that we have sight. The Spirit is the anointing in 1 John. It says you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know. And you know. And 2.27 says that, that we have received an anointing from Him and it teaches us all things. Okay. So when the anointing comes, your eyes have this seeing ability. So I can see, now I can see all of you, you see. You look so normal, right? See, I, right now, I don't know, I don't know who's, I don't know who's uh, American, I don't know who's Chinese, I don't know who's Hispanic, I don't know who's anything, okay? Right, now I can tell, you see, right? See, it's easy. Jeffrey's Chinese, right? Rudy's Hispanic, see? Neil's American and Tim's Texan. <laughs> See? Four nationalities. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we have the seeing we have the we have the seeing ability. Now uh, what I would like to do is I would like to try to make this real definite by saying when we experience Christ as the ISAF, when He anoints our eyes, just like when He spit on the ground and rubbed that into clay and put that on the blind man's eyes in the Gospels, and He said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, and He went and washed and He came back seeing. That man's physical eyesight got restored. Okay, here, of course, this is not physical. This is to the church in Laodicea representing that local church then and the prophetic church that was the fallen Philadelphia. And the Lord counseled them to get ISAP. They needed the anointing of the Spirit to see something. Okay, what is it that they needed to see? Well, you could say many things, okay? But I would like to, I would like to give you what I consider the basic factors of what you need to see Amen. to be normal. Okay? Uh, number one, if, you're, if you have the ISAF to see, the first thing you need to see is, I would, call, I would just call it this way, you need to see the preciousness and value of Christ. You have to see Christ. He is precious and valuable. Okay. Uh, don't 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 start somewhere else. Don't say we need to see. Uh, don't say we need to see the uh, prophecies about uh, 
the four horns and, and uh, whatever. Don't say anything like that. Right. You need to see the preciousness of Christ. Amen. Okay. Uh, I would I would say this way. All of you, uh, I, I'm sure, you've had an experience of Christ, right? You've had some kind of experience of Christ, so He's precious to you, right? Uh, there's so many things in which we can enjoy His preciousness. He's so... He's so kind to us, isn't He? He loves us. Doesn't He love us? I mean, He died for us. He, he loves us. Uh, frankly, He's, uh, he's very, uh, he's very uh, caring. He cares for everything. You know? he, cares about, he cares about the hairs on your head. I mean, think of it. He's got, he, he numbered those things. The extent of His care is not really comprehensible. But he just just that one thing that he's so he's so caring. He's so wise. You know everything that you can't figure out to him is just so basic about what what man needs and what's best for you and how you're going to uh, best reach the goal. It's really basic with the Lord. See, he's so wise. And you know if you've ever really blown it. And you've known the sweetness of His forgiveness. Amen. You just, you just, you just feel wiped out. You just, Lord, you, you're too good. I don't deserve this, but I just get free, unmerited forgiveness Amen. just because I asked for it. You, you see, it's precious. You have to see Christ. There, there's an unending preciousness of Christ that you need to see. That He is so, so much. Right. So the first thing is, we have to have our eyes opened to see the multifaceted uh, glory of all that Christ is. He's everything. Okay. Uh, number two, I would say, a uh, big thing you need to see is that you need to see the mystery of God, which is Christ. The mystery of God, which is Christ. And, you know, a very good verse for this is Colossians 1.27, where Paul said that he wanted to make known the mystery among the nations which had been hidden. He wanted to make this known, which is Christ in you. Okay, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery is Christ in us. And so we need to see the mystery of God. This was a hidden mystery. And we need to see that that uh, God ordained Christ as the hidden mystery to be revealed in the fullness of time. Okay, you can say, well, what exactly does this mean? I would say, uh, if you can see Christ in three ways, you will see the mystery of God. Number one, you need to see that He is all-inclusive. He's everything. Christ is everything. Just like we mentioned, He's love, He's patience, He's kindness, He's forgiveness, He's uh, overcoming power, he's our, he's our inward energy, He's our supply, He's our drink, He's our enjoyment, He's our portion, He's our comfort, He's our love, He's our faith. You think whatever you need, that's what He is. He is an all-inclusive person. See, God has deposited everything in Christ, and so Christ... Uh, uh, is everything and, and all we need is just to take Him into our being and we have everything. So number one, He's all-inclusive. Number two, 
uh, I would say, uh, well, let me say, mention one thing before I go into this next point. Is you know, if you've never done this, sometimes, sometimes uh, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just notice the different times that Christ says, "I am." And then he says something. Just notice that. I've done that. And he just says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the door. Right? Uh, you know, uh, I am the light. I am the yeah, the good shepherd of the sheep. I am this. I, he just said, uh, I am, I am, I am, I am. Finally, in John 8, he just says, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. He doesn't add anything. He just says, I am. You know, Amen. fill in the blank. I am. Right? So, uh, Christ is like that. Just, just think, He said, I am, about so many things. And the epistles all strengthen this and confirm this, that uh, uh, Christ was made unto us by God so many things. Right? So He's all-inclusive. Then I would say, when you see that He's all-inclusive, you have to tack on something to this all-inclusiveness, and that is He's not only all-inclusive, but he's also inexhaustible. Okay, not only all-inclusive, but inexhaustible. You see, he could be all of these wonderful things, but you might think you could exhaust it. You see, for example, uh, if we're if we're here and Christ is is uh, inexhaustible, like we're saying he is, then. Okay, here you are. This is you, right? And your need uh, goes this far, okay? And here's Christ. Then he is inexhaustible. So uh, he's not going to come up short, and you're going to have this much of your need lost. That means he got exhausted. Before he finished out meeting your need, he exhausted what he is. That's not right. He is inexhaustible. Do you realize? Do you realize to be inexhaustible? I mean, think about. It. He is inexhaustible. There's over five billion people on this planet. There are hundreds of millions of Christians, and that doesn't include the ones that have already fallen asleep in Christ. And they have hundreds of millions of millions of millions of needs. And he simultaneously, at the same time, all at once, is meeting all of these needs. And he is not under one strain a bit. There is no strain. He is just inexhaustible. All-inclusive and inexhaustible at the same time. He's not barely doing it. He's not gauging things. He's not pacing himself to finish at a uh, so it works out. You see, he can he, if he if if it was his plan, he could have ten Earths right right in solar systems, and it would not affect his uh, his capacity to meet somebody's need. You see, so we need to have this view when we go to Christ. You know, a lot of times we have a little devilish little doubt. Well, I don't know. Maybe my need is not going to get met. I don't know. There could be. How do I know the Lord will really do this? A little devilish doubt. 
don't say you never had a devilish doubt, right? <laughs> right. The devil is, the devil is, uh, you know, he comes with this kind of question mark, right? Will Christ really be enough? Or do you need to jump in there and take some supplement to Christ? Do you need to jump in with a human supplement? Right? Well, Christ is inexhaustible. So he'll meet your need and you will not lack. Some people have had this kind of experience. They said, well, I had this much need, and Christ only met me this far. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's, uh, you name it. Maybe it's uh, what, what. What would you say to a person that uh, the need was only met that far? Uh, Christ only gave that much, and the need was this much. What would you say? Neil, you're the, you're the, you're the, uh, you're the sage among us here. What would you say? <laughs> I'd say Isaiah 40. Wait upon the Lord and you'll renew your strength. Oh, okay. Wait on. Okay. Actively entwined. Mm-hmm. So you would say, well, okay, let's assume they have waited upon the Lord. <laughs> And uh, they—they're just telling you flat out. It only uh, my knee was only met that far. <laughs> Jeffrey, what would you say? This happens sometimes. I'm I'm asking you. <laughs> what do you think? We got what we really need. We got what we really need. Not bad, not bad. You know what? I, I, that's exactly. This was the, this was what you thought your need was actually. Actually, your need went right there. The rest was was an excess, like it says in James, to consume it upon your lust. So you got you got it. You got it. See, don't let these little things creep in and damage your living faith. You get, you get what you need. Believe me. You say, oh, I don't, I don't. He didn't. He didn't do this and so forth. Listen, listen. At the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to see the accuracy of Christ in an unbelievable way. If you doubt it now, you'll miss a reward. But if you believe it and take it, you get a reward for that. See. You get what you need. And listen, because he's wise, you don't get what you don't need. Okay, then uh, I would say you need to see, number three, uh, I said you need to see the mystery of Christ. Not only the mystery of God, but you need to see the mystery of Christ, which is the church. Okay, the church is the mystery of Christ. Just like Christ is the mystery of God. If, if, you, if you really want to have the spiritual seeing and the eyesight and the eye salve to make you really focus in, you have to see the church as a mystery of Christ. 
Otherwise, we cannot explain, we do not have an answer for some very basic questions such as, what is the goal of God's being? What is His aim? Is he got a, does he have a target? Does he have an aim? Does he have a purpose? Does he have a plan? Or is he merely telling people that you need to go to heaven instead of to hell? Is that it? Or, or does he have a purpose and a plan? You see? So you have to see that there's a mystery to Christ, and that, that mystery is the church. You have to see that. That is the goal of God's life. That's the goal of the dispensing of the divine life. If he can't produce that, he is an aimless one. He is a goalless one. He is without purpose. He's just doing things in a way that form a pattern that really cannot be discerned and, and uh, clearly understood. But if you see the church, if you see the body of Christ, if you see the one new man, if you see the purpose of it all, then it eliminates all that kind of uh, guesswork, confusion, and you see there is a goal to the whole thing. Okay. Then I would say, not only is it the goal of God's life, but it's the goal of the Christian life. Why do you have the life of God inside? Why has He dispensed Himself into you? You see, we are born again for what purpose? Do you realize how many Christians have been regenerated on planet Earth and they have never really uh, understood what that life was designed for, what, it's, what it was meant for, what the goal of it was? You see? Yeah. They, they, sure, they're regenerated, but for what? That's right. You know, the prevailing concept, again, just to be honest and frank and fair, the pre- prevailing concept is that it really is, it does give you an extra quality to your human life. It does that. But we are basically down here on earth in a kind of a holding pattern until we die or the Lord comes back and then there will be some spectacular things transpire and we will, we will enter into glory of some sort, right? And that's the way it is. But we are basically in a holding pattern. So onward with our life, our education, get married, have a family, have kids, live some kind of American dream and uh, hope everything goes well and uh, do things that uh, hopefully bring some measure of happiness, and that's 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 our that's our portion, right? Meanwhile, we're we're waiting for the time of glory to come. It's not totally wrong, but it is woefully short of seeing why you were born of the Spirit, why you have the Triune God inside of you. He is moving inex- inexorably toward a goal, toward a purpose, and He will accomplish that. He will fulfill it. See? So he's not only the goal of his life, it's the goal of your Christian life. If you don't have the goal to fit into, what it, then you will be an aimless person. You will drift around. You will just live a human life with a kind of hope that uh, when life is over, uh, you will have something waiting for you. That's good. But it is not the focus of the Bible. 
then I would finally say that uh, it should uh, the mystery of Christ being the church is not only the goal of those two things, but it should be the goal of our Christian labor. You see, when Christians receive the Spirit and they're born again, uh, either right away or usually pretty soon after that, they they they're stirred up to uh, to uh, serve the Lord, right. to express the Lord, to function, so that they can do something to be a part of God's uh, move, His administration, His work. Right. And if you don't see that the church is what he's aiming at, how do you know how to work and labor and serve the Lord so that it's all profitable? Okay? Okay, all you people nowadays in school, I know you go by charts and graphs and all kind of visual stuff. Am I right or wrong? Right? Everything. That's why. That's what computers are for, to, to uh, chart out and make diagrams of everything so you can visualize things that you used to only have numbers about, right? Okay. Okay, let's play like, uh, let's visualize. Uh, here's a... Here's our here's a circle to represent our service to the Lord, okay? In all honesty, to serve the Lord, uh, let's say this much of it, uh, most Christians would say, well, uh, we'll serve the Lord in a certain kind of a way. And then here's another avenue, and this has a certain percent to it. And then here's a bigger piece, and then here's a smaller piece, and then here's a big piece, and uh, maybe even a bigger piece, and then here's a smaller piece, and so forth, on around like that. Then I would say, when you get right down to it, a very, very slim piece right here, do God's people realize that the reason or the goal of their service to the Lord is to produce and build a church. That's the minority. I would say this is an exaggeration. This is giving it too much credit. See, it's just hard to draw something so small. How many people would realize that their prayers, their labor, their preaching of the gospel, their shepherding, their feeding, uh, all the things they do, even their good deeds, all of this is for the producing of the church. How many would realize that? Isn't it a tragedy that a person could be involved in all of these things and come to the end of their life and find out that all of these things were good, but they didn't pass a test, and the only thing they could really be rewarded for was this little section right here, because everything else was really not uh, up to the standard of God's goal. You see, uh, we have to be we have to be according to the right goal for God's life, for our life, and for our service. If you've never been confused about how to serve the Lord, you just don't know how bad it can get when you have a heart for it, and yet you don't know what to do with yourself. And you don't have the assurance that it will really be eternal in nature. You're in a sad state, and I have been there, and I know what it feels like. You just don't have the confidence and the assurance that what you're doing really affects eternal things. You don't have that. You don't have it. 
The only thing you have some confidence about is to preach the gospel. That's the one thing you can do that you know you're not off about. And everything else you just wonder, is this really of God or not? The preaching of the gospel to save sinners is the only thing you can know that God is standing with you. The other thing, the building of the church, you can have the same absolute assurance about. Mm -hmm. You go anywhere else, you have to wonder, is God really with me or is he not? It's hard to say. Right? I could give you a lot of illustrations, but for time's sake, maybe not. Okay. Uh, for ISAV, we need a, to see a fourth thing, okay? And that is, we need to see the real situation of Christianity. If you have the proper sight, you'll see it. And I strongly want everyone to have uh, some some feeling about this. That's why I put this here. Right after seeing such high things as the preciousness of Christ, the mystery of God, the mystery of Christ, you need to see this, the situation of Christianity. If you don't have that eyesight, it's hard to have these other things too. They go together. Okay? They go together. Okay, now let, let me mention a couple of things. I hope I don't offend anybody, but I want to speak frankly. And candidly, I want to speak the truth, okay? Number one, uh, it is simply not possible for today's existing Christianity, it's not possible for it to be the factor that will bring Christ back. No. Okay? I would say it is simply unable to be the bride to bring Christ back. It's unable. Sorry. It, it's, it, it doesn't have it. Okay? Now, you can disagree if you want to, but at least I had my say, and I think if not all of you, nearly all of you agree that it's not, it doesn't have the substance to bring the Lord back. She is not prepared. Okay? If, if if she were, then why hasn't she done it in two thousand years? Two thousand years, and there is no reason why the Lord should come back to what's on earth today that we would label Christendom. Not a not a, not a remote reason. But not only is she unable to bring the Lord back, we have to go a little further and say uh, uh, there is no possibility that. Uh, there will be any change so that it could bring Christ back. So it's unable and unchangeable. You cannot change it. I hope I don't burst somebody's bubble, but you cannot change the system. Right? It, you can't change it. We used to sing a song, The System is Set. Remember that song? That's right. The system is set. How did it go, Neil? Yeah, the system is set and the order must be maintained. You cannot buck it. It has hundreds of years in many cases, many hundreds of years. And the system is there. You will not buck it. it will, uh, you would think, I'm going to change this. I'm going to reform that. I'm going to do this. I did this. My roommate in college was going to do this. Because I jumped out and got into the church life. This stirred him up to make some reforms in this little place that uh, he was involved in. And uh, he told me some of these reforms. It was, it was like 
Is, have you ever seen a? Have you ever been been close to a big ship like a battleship or a big oil tanker or something? Have you ever been close to something like that or seen a big? Uh, you, you know what I think of is I think of somebody uh, on a big boat like that and they're down near the water and they and they've got a paddle and they're trying to turn <laughs> this ship around <laughs> with this paddle. You see. Uh, it, 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 you can't do it. I mean, the ship is 300 yards long. <laughs> you see, it weighs unbelievable amounts of tonnage. Right. Yeah. It cannot be changed. Okay. But you're going to paddle and so forth. You're going to paddle. My roommate was paddling away, paddling away. He said, "Oh, you should have seen what we did tonight," and so forth. And I said, "Yeah, that's right. You made a few strokes." But when you stand back and you analyze the whole situation, the ship has not changed course, not even not only not a degree, not even not even the smallest calculation of a degree. All you did was get wet by swinging the paddle. That's all it was. See, you can't do it. See? I, I tried this. I tried. I'm not saying that my experience means no one can do it, but but it's no, there has not been somebody that could pull it off. Okay? You don't do this. The Bible has never said to do this. The Bible says in Revelation 8, come out from among her, my people. Okay, she's unchangeable. This is why these lines are here. See, four lines. This means they're gonna they're 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 not gonna change. Thyatira will not change. She will stay the same. So will Sardis, so will Philadelphia, and so will Laodicea. See? Just get in the right way. Don't try to change the wrong way. Jump into the right way. Okay? If you don't believe me, go try and change things. You know, I did, I did this. In, in college, I did this. Uh, we had a college group, and uh, I was uh, the, uh, the uh, I don't know, the, the leader of that uh, little college group. And so I decided, well, we're not getting anything reading this little shallow material here. And I got a few tapes. And these tapes were about Christ being your life. I said, we're going to play these tapes. And so we played those tapes, Christ being our life. You know what? They like those tapes. You know what? I was told, don't play those tapes anymore. They didn't, I couldn't change the system. See? It's impossible. There's a tradition there. They do it a certain way. You bucket and uh, if you get away with it for a while, eventually somebody yeah. is going to what? Yeah. Somebody will come along and do something. Right? They will. Otherwise, chaos will come in and, oh man. No. Once the complaints start to roll in from the stuck inflexible organization once the complaints start to come in people have to do something to terminate anything new so you cannot change it right okay if you don't believe me go out and try see we'll see you later okay.
Okay, now, I'd like to cover another real situation that uh, I hope uh, is not too much, but I think as college students, uh, you may need this. So I call this not the real situation like I just did about Christianity, because when I say Christianity, uh, uh, I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean it that it has fallen short of God's goal. Okay, I don't mean it as uh, a kind of a, you know, being cynical about it. It's just short of God's goal. But right now, I want to talk about something that's in another realm, and that is we need ISAF to see through the real situation of the ones that are opposing God's move on earth. There are some opposing this. Okay? And if it is really of God, if it is really the Lord's move, you have to believe it is going to be contended with by the rulers and authorities in the air. They will stir up certain human beings in a way that irrationally they will fight against it with all the strength of their being. And this proves that this is the work of the enemy. Okay. You have to see the real situation. Okay. If you don't if you don't see this, at some point in your experience, sooner or later, you are going to get uh, blindsided yeah. in a way that would it might just knock you unconscious. Okay, you can't do that. Have you ever seen a football player just get clobbered? Yeah. I mean, he never saw the guy that hit him. Have you ever seen that? Probably some of you have experienced it, right? Right? You don't know what happened. Yeah. I, I, I remember when I was in high school, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you, you, you never knew what hit you. You got blindsided, right? One guy knocked me one time. I'm, I might have turned a, a total slip in the air. I don't remember. But he just hit me, and I just, you know, I just flipped. I never, I never saw the guy. Right? This is, this is what happens. If you don't have some basic thing, if you don't see that the kingdom of God, his move on the earth, and, and, and I'm, I'm saying this because I feel that we represent... Uh, uh, if not 100% of the Lord's move, we definitely represent a percent of the Lord's move. Or we wouldn't be here. But to say it's not going to have opposition is to be really, really naive. Okay. I hope, I hope you get opposed. Because if you don't, uh, somebody, the, the uh, spiritual impact that we're having on Satan's kingdom might not be adequate. So we need some opposition. Yeah. You follow me? You know, uh, locally here, and I, I can't speak totally for all the other places, but in principle I think it's the same. Every semester at UT, we're no, we know we're going to get clobbered. <laughs> It's not a matter, are we going to get clobbered? It's just, which direction will it come from? That's the only question. That's right. Will it come from this way or this way? But we will get clobbered. Someone will clobber us. Or, or I should say, we'll try to clobber us. Mm -hmm. 
see. So we have to be, we have to, we have to have our eyes open. You don't think Paul had his eyes open? You don't think when the Lord Jesus was on this earth, he wasn't seeing clearly all the the opposition he had? You don't think he didn't see through that? See, Paul saw it. And so we have to have some basic ISAF to realize what's going on. If you get attacked by the enemy and you don't know what's happening, you just might end up on the ground. Okay? Better people than us have been clobbered and never got up. Okay? So we better have some some ISAB. We better see a little bit what's going on and not be ignorant. Paul in the New Testament has a definite line of burden that he does not want the saints to be ignorant of the stratagems and the wiles and the devices of the enemy. So you need some ISAB. If you can't pick it up, then you, you, you pay a price. I'll give you an illustration. You know, sometimes uh, Satan fools around in, in um, our family. That is, you know, my wife and I and uh, daughter and so forth. Fools around in our family. It can come through me. It can come through my wife. It can come through my daughter. It can come through circumstances. Uh, and, you know, many times, many times when... This happens many times. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we've picked it up. We have picked it up. This is the devil. And so, right then, when we, when that happens, when we stop, stop, stop everything, right? In America, we would say, stop the music, right? Stop it all. Stop and pray. Amen. Just get on your knees and pray. Amen. Satan, we bind you. We know this is not flesh and blood. This is the enemy. He's fooling around with us. This is, this. I mean, you, you pick it up on your spiritual radar screen. The enemy's flying across and, you know, blip, blip, blip. You see him. Time to shoot the guy down. You do that through prayer. See? You can say, oh, this is just life. A lot of times, it's an attack. Mm-hmm. See? And sometimes we don't catch it. You know, we don't catch it. Later we saw, boy, he sifted us right and left. I mean, we're just dizzy. Mm. <laughs> right? He just turned us every way but loose. So we have to pick it up, you see. And, you know, you can't, you can't do this except by in spirit and by touching the Lord, being before the Lord, to know if it's really just human life and it's just the way life is or really there's some goal, there's some stratagem here, some attack. We have to pick it up. Well, in the church life, we have to do the same. You see, if there's some something of the devil, something there, we have to pick it up. We have to have a feeling about it, and we have to bind the enemy so that his activities are not uh, at liberty to be to be active. Right? Then the Lord gains the victory. We we have to fight. We're fighters. We have to fight. Okay. Let me give you a few uh, things that would help you pick up. May I? Yeah. Here are the points that, to me, uh, 
show that it is some kind of an attack rather than honest evaluation. You know, we're not afraid of honest evaluation. Honest evaluation is always healthy. But something else with a goal to damage, with some evil intention, that's different. Okay? Okay, if it's really something of the enemy uh, using some kind of an opposer, I'd like to give you a few characteristics. Number one, the opposition is not based on Scripture. It is not based on truth. It's not based on the Word of God. It's based on other things, maybe uh, many other kind of things, but it cannot, it, and it is not based on plain, unadulterated truth. They leave the Scriptures to find their condemnation. But we have to see that if, you're, if we're going to be condemned, we have to be condemned by the Word. Let the Word condemn us. If the Word will condemn us, then we should be condemned. And we should be, uh, repent, we, we should be repentful. And we should have a change. But don't condemn us with some nonsense. And don't condemn us with a theory. And don't condemn us with uh, uh, some f- philosophy. And don't con- condemn us with your feelings. Condemn us with the Word or don't say anything. Right. We're, we are people here uh, respecting only the Word of God. What you say or what I say really doesn't mean anything. Right? So if you're going to condemn us, condemn us with the Word. Otherwise, don't say anything. Okay? Uh, so many things I have heard said about us, but there was just one thing lacking, and that is they they weren't uh, exposing something by the light. And the Lord said in John 17, Thy word is truth. Okay. Well, I hope... I hope uh, I hope this would sink in and you would always, when you hear things, you would not flip right. and you would not panic and you would not get confused, but you would just say, wait a minute, let's check it out with the Word of God. Right. Okay. I have no fear. Uh, in fact, when people have been honest enough with us to say, okay, we will accept the verdict of the Word of God, you know what? You know what our batting average is? Whatever, however many times it's happened, it's to zero. Okay? We haven't lost yet on this, on, on, on whether it's according to the word, we have not lost yet. This is a good sign. See? So if we're going to be condemned, it's the word or it's nothing. Okay. Otherwise, we shouldn't care. What you mean, what you say means nothing. Don't care about it. Only what the word says. Okay. Then, number two, uh, the, another characteristic that it's really the enemy, if, it's, if someone is opposing, is that usually there is a hidden motive. They really are not out for your growth in Christ. They really don't care about your spiritual future. They really aren't concerned whether the body of Christ is built up. They're not concerned about whether God's purpose is fulfilled. They have some other hidden motives, like uh, we don't want to lose you out of the family. 
or we don't want you to miss the good things in life or we would like you to have a better human situation or we would like you to live such and such a place. I mean, there are hidden motives there that have nothing to do with whether a person is really excelling in their relationship with Christ. Right. This is an. This is a. This is a. Uh, you know, a key for us to know that that this is not. This is not honest. This is not in the light. This is. There's darkness here. There's a motive here that's not right. Then, uh, number three is that there is condemnation or opposition, but it lacks any semblance of proper research. You cannot know something unless you check it out. You cannot uh, take a few isolated phrases and say, look at that, and know that that represents the real situation. That is exactly what the opposers have done. Is we, we have thousands, we have nearly 50,000 pages in print. 50,000! And yet, and yet, if you listen to them, there's only about 15 phrases that they have found in 50,000 pages that they will always quote to you, and out of 15, there's about five that are the real favorites. And I, I, know, I know them in my dreams. That's not fair. That's not fair. Listen, you can take the words of Jesus Christ and rip them out of context and make him sound like he doesn't know what he's talking about. You, you can do that about anything. You can take the greatest speech that was ever ever given by Abraham Lincoln or, or Winston Churchill, and you can find a phrase in there and just pluck it out and show the whole world, and they'll think they're a maniac. You have to read the whole thing. You have to understand the circumstances. You have to understand the situation. You have to understand where the person is coming from. You can't isolate a phrase and and uh, say, look here, because this phrase says so-and-so, then, then you plow in your whole philosophical background to make that phrase mean what you would like it to mean rather than what the writer or the speaker meant it to, meant it to mean. That is not honest. That is deceitful, you see. And we must have the ISAP to see through that, right? Okay, then I would say uh, fourth thing we have to realize is there, we always have to ask the question if somebody's opposing us and uh, saying negative things, do they really know us? Or are they merely speculating and guessing? Based on what? Do they know us? If they're saying something about me, do they know me? Do they know what I'm about? Do they know us? Do they know the church? Do they know the church people? They've said a lot of things, but do they really know us? Are we like that? You know, if I was like some of the things that's been said about me, I'd be up here with horns growing out of my ears. <laughs> are, are we like that? I mean, think about it. Think about it. We're supposed to be people that do this, that do that. That are, I mean, the things that, that uh, we are like is unbelievable. And yet, uh, you know what confuses people? Is when uh, people come among us and they can't find these characteristics that, they, that somebody put into their brains. They say, where are they? I don't, I don't, I don't see them. What? 
where are these people? Where are these evil people that uh, kidnap, brainwash, uh, uh, you know, uh, try to uh, give them bad feelings about relatives? Uh, you see, people who are uh, don't think for themselves. You name it, right? Have new have have uh, have uh, you know a personal new uh, secretive version of the Bible. <laughs> See, there's more space for footnotes than there are for scriptures. So that means that 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 obviously means that the the, the, the scriptures are not the main thing. See. And we would say, well, a lot of Bibles. There, there's, you know, literally now dozens of Bibles out there with, with footnotes. Now that's the thing is to, you know, do that. And well, what about these? Well, they don't have, I mean, they just have a few footnotes. I said, that's right. But don't you believe if they, if they had more to say, they would have put it in there? The problem is not few or many. The problem is is that is how rich is your ministry? See, that's, that's a real problem, right? Okay. Well, just 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 say, do you does someone know us? See, think about it. They say they will say wild things, you know. Uh, I've kidnapped, I don't know, let's see, I'm trying to think how many people I've kidnapped. I've kidnapped, manipulated, and controlled uh, certain certain people. Okay, now, please, anybody here, if I have, if I have manipulated your life, because it's young people that I'm, that I'm, you know, accused of manipulating. If I have manipulated your life, you are the young people that I am supposed to have done it to. Who have I manipulated? Not not a hundred percent, any percent. I have manipulated your life. I have sought you out, I've come to you, and I have manipulated your life. To one percent. See, this is the this is the point. You have to you have to be a sober mind. Contrary wise Contrary-wise, you don't think we don't know the needs and the situations of, of, of nearly all the saints, and purposefully, we don't we don't do something mm-hmm. purposefully to give the Lord the ground and to give the saints the freedom. We don't do something. That's Sometimes I think we're a little chicken. Sometimes I wonder if if we are a little bit weak because the Lord would maybe require us to do more, yet we would be afraid of being criticized. It's not that easy to know. Anyway, uh, uh, if we're normal, it it is tremendously wonderful and fine to go to people to minister Christ to them, and we should contact people for that. But I am pretty sure that there's no one here that's being manipulated. Okay, I'm pretty sure of that. I know, I know. I, I'm not. 
If I'm manipulating somebody, boy, I am in a stupor because I have no registration. And I don't think I'm that psychotic. (laughs) They don't know us. They don't know us. It's just unbelievable. The same thing happens to Brother Lee. You know, it's always happened to Brother Lee. Right? Brother Lee this, Brother Lee that, Brother Lee this. I've heard this for 26 years. Brother Lee this, Brother Lee that. From the right, from the left, from the top, from the bottom. Right? Just Brother Lee this. Anything so that Brother Lee would be, what, put aside so that uh, you wouldn't be open to it. Right? Mm-hmm. See, Brother Lee said this. Look here, look, read this. Okay, we'll read the whole context. Okay, I read it. I so and so and so and so. See, you know what you know what uh, what you finally come to is this. He said it. Here's the problem. I know what he means. It's you that don't know what he means. I know exactly what he means, but you don't. You see? I'm into what he says. I've followed what he says. I'm right up to date with what he says, and I know exactly what he means. And you are simply ripping out a phrase and pulling it away and saying, look here. And you can do that with anybody. You can do it with anybody. See, this is not honest. See? You know, this term mingling, we use the term mingling. A lot of people took this. See? Well, because uh, I know what Brother Lee means. See, he uses the word, and I know what he means. I know the verse he bases it on, or the, or the verses. I know what he means. And I know that it has, not, it has nothing to do with what they say it means. I know what it means, but you don't know what it means. Which, by the way, is, was my next point, and that is, they take our terms, but they use their definition. Exactly. You see, we have our terms, but but they take our terms and use their, but they use their definition. When we've taken the terms and used our own stated, expressly written definitions ourselves, right? How can you take the term mingling, which we use liberally and biblically, scripturally? And we have, my goodness, the pages to explain what mingling means that we have among us are, are staggering in number. But if you just take out a, fra- a phrase that we are mingled with uh, the Lord or we're mingled with God or we're mingled with a triune God and then you adopt a theory of what that means and you disrespect all of our stated writings that explicitly say what it is and what it is not... And yet you say, well, look here, it means this, because in my mind that's what mingling means. Then you are intellectually dishonest. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we can't take this. We can't take this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter 
what, what you, it doesn't matter what it is. Everything comes back to these same basic points. You see? Of course we're different. We're Christians. We're serious Christians. We're different because we seem to match the New Testament more than other people have. And for that reason, you condemn us, then thank God we're worthy to be condemned. Because it seems like we match what we what's there more. You know, the Bible is a living to us. It's a, all of it's alive to us. We don't read chapters and wonder, well, it's really hard to know what's going on in, in this book. To us, it's real because we live in the context of what the writer, the, the context the writer lived in. You see, it means something to us. Okay. Then, finally, or another point is I would say this, uh, and this is a sad point, but I have checked it out through the years and seen it to be a very reliable one, and that is that when we when we bring people to Christ. Uh, when we bring people to Christ and they really are convinced that they have gotten into the Word of God, which that's what they got into. I mean, that's what we push is to eat Christ through the Word. I mean, that's what we push. Right? That's our... That's our thing, okay? We believe believe in it. Uh, Anyway, if if that's if that's our uh, I'm not sure the best word. If you know, if that's our thing, that we would. Uh, bring somebody into a, a, this kind of a realization if that's our thing and then someone comes along and says no that's not right you are deceived now you tell me what kind of future spiritually that person has they love the Lord Jesus they found their spirit they began to enjoy the Word of God in a wonderful way and they saw things and now they someone has convinced them that they are deceived. Now, what do they have left? Are they going to just suddenly turn around and become really outstanding, uh, healthy, normal Christians? Or do you think they are going to slip and slide downward back to their former way of life. You tell me. Yeah, they got help. They got help not only out of the church, they got helped out of Christ. Or at least you could say the experience of Christ. Sorry to say this. Okay. These so-called well-meaning people, not only, not because to them, to them, in their heart, the church was truly an experience of Christ. So when they were told to blow all of that off, then simultaneously they blew off Christ. You know where that left them spiritually? Nowhere. Now what? Pray? I don't know if that's right. Read the Word? I don't know if that's right. Pray, read? I don't know if that's right. I'm confused. I don't know. You see? This is the result. You know what the result is? Bankrupt. That's right. We we have to be 
we have to be we have to have some eyes to have but let me end this on a good note okay believe me just like I said earlier that every semester we know we're going to get hit but believe me it's all futile look we've been we've been doing this we've been doing this uh, for years I mean the church here in Austin has been here since 1973 and we've been on that campus uh, since virtually since the very beginning of that you know uh, if we counted up all the different kind of people or groups or things that uh, at one time or another were opposing man we would have a big number you know what they're no longer here they're no longer here they're gone they shot their they shot their cannon and that's it they're gone you see but we, but we're still here you know and you know what we're still saying the same things we said 15 and 20 years ago. That's right. People need Christ. And we're not going to We haven't changed. We have not changed and we don't intend to change. Amen. So, so this is all. Let them come. Let them shoot their cap gun, whatever they want to do. You see, light a firecracker, make a little noise. But but uh, and there may be maybe they'll maybe